want. Listen to me. We've all been deceived. We need to calmly head towards the exit. Welcome to the Banana Bread and Circus Republic with Crispy and Tono. Your hosts for the end of the world or whatever we're looking at. We're looking at the reset. Yeah, it's uh, we're gonna be fine, ladies and gentlemen. So strap in and join us to recalibrate the soul as we explore the ether and ethics of our evolution. In the space between spaces, there's an intelligence that guides our values and our judgments, which determines who we are, what we're doing, and where we're going. Follow your nose and think for yourself. We're rolling. Oh, how are you doing, Tono? I don't have the energy to complain, even if I could lie about things. So pretty good. Nice. Pretty good, personally. How about you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good now. I woke up to a pretty big scare this morning. Uh, Went to the basement and the ceiling... I woke up, I, I walked into the main room where I have all my shit and water was everywhere, or at least like a big concentration of it right in the middle of the room. And it looked like it might have come from outside. But, and so I just didn't really think much of it because we tend to get some seepage from time to time. I love that word. <laughs> and, and I followed the stream basically to my left, which is away from the wall, and noticed that it was getting worse. Like, the, the, the pile-up, the concentration of water. Like, this big puddle. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? And I look up, and the ceiling, it looks like it has a fucking... It's, like, pregnant. It's like, the sheetrock is, like, bulging down. Pregnant with a big water, baby. It's like, a, it was like a water balloon. And, and when I, the way I put it, when I finally got in touch with my brother, like, help! SOS, this shit's going down. I need help. Um, I was like, dude, the ceiling has a bladder. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I think I think I'm on that submarine that imploded. Oh my god, wasn't that a riot? <laughs> Fuck. We actually watched the Titanic recently too, and the whole time I'm thinking, Jesus Christ! Like, just claimed five more. Yeah, exactly. I could see how. I, I still think That's that whole nature. thing was a giant assassination. Oh, really? All likelihood. I mean, how often do, you know, multiple billionaires die at the same time? Last time was on the Titanic. Whoa. And that was an assassination. The last time that was? No, not literally the last time, but, I mean. That particular. Typically, billionaires don't travel together just in case one of them is a target. The others won't get killed. No, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a survival tactic. So, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to one of this week's episodes, hopefully, of Banana Bread and Circus Republic with your hosts, Crispy and Tono. Been a while. We've uh, for us, it's been a while. Yeah, we've yeah. we wasn't technically a hiatus. It was just 
things, life came up for both of us, and so took a little break, and here we are. That's right. Yeah, had been helping my brother with the stonework actually the last few weekends, and you were out of town. You checked out a pretty fucking kick-ass show. I did. I uh, yeah, I, I had the pleasure of going to see Mr. Theo Vaughn do his thing on stage. Nice. Yeah, it was it was delightful. He's he's turning into a master of his art. You know. He has quite the uh, Instagram handle, <laughs> the profile there, because I'm, I'm, I can sense he's getting a lot of attention. Oh. It's pretty, pretty awesome to see. He's he's just barely short of being like a full on arena comic, you know. Like this was a seven thousand person show, and prior to that, I'd only ever been to one comedy show, and that was Doug Stanhope and. He can draw a big crowd, but, you know, he also goes to smaller spots, too. So that was like a, you know, maybe 300-person show, and this was 7,000. It was like, damn, like going to a... It's amazing. Know, yeah, like, parking was insane. You get there, and everybody's just like, it was a giant lot party, you know, basically for an hour and a half. Did a... Did a few nefarious things in the parking lot that I wouldn't recommend to children and went and saw one of my favorite comedians. Right on, brother. That sounds like a good time. It was. It yeah. was. And, uh, yeah, he had, he had a couple great openers. Like, started with this, this chick. I forget her name. But she started out sounding very nervous and I couldn't tell him like the shakiness in her voice is it part of her act or is she genuinely nervous and she was genuinely nervous because as she did like 20 minutes and as she went on the shakiness shakiness went away and her jokes got way darker <laughs> way darker nice but uh did you say she opened for him? She, or or she was, was it with him? He had two openers, yeah. Nice. So yeah. He, she opened, and then uh, his regular opener, Ari Manis, who has been opening with him for some time now and travels with him a lot, mm. he came on, and like right before you know he finished his set, he mentioned how this was the biggest crowd he'd ever played for. So that that was really cool because that's you know, super like, cool. Yeah, you know, in five years he's going to be one of those names that people are like, oh wow, you know, Ari Manis, and but you know, right now he's he's getting to where he's going from you know playing clubs to playing theaters, and then from theaters it goes to arenas, and that's about as big as comedy gets. You mm -hmm. know, not a as lot as far of as live. Right, there's no, yeah, like Bill Burr, Kevin Hart. Yeah. Uh, I like how, um, like, nowadays, well, there's obviously a specific uh, group of performers that have sort of, like, are starting to dabble in the music blended with comedy, blended with, like, whatever, like, yeah, skit-wise, yeah. animation-wise, yeah. or whatever, like, in in 
those gaps, yep. and those little like asynchronistic gaps that sort of just go well, add a nice flavor to the show. I, I want to go to one, you know, like that kind of has that vibe of that like theatrical, like here's a certain act that comes on or whatever, the next act. It really is a trip because like you laugh the whole time and you're, <clears throat> you know, you're hanging on to every word, but after the end, like it's almost like a blank. It's like I can't remember a single fucking <laughs> I know, joke. I can't remember why. I've been I've had that feeling before for sure. Where like I can't it's remember tripping. a single like joke. Yeah. But I remember having just like an absolute fels melted fels melt face <laughs> face melting experience. <laughs> where you like just have that like that was what happened like at Buckethead when we saw Buckethead. It yeah. was just like, Oh my god, I could never ever replicate what I heard. Like I couldn't even pick out can't a even single tell you which track. songs you heard. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. No idea. In fact, when we saw the Dean Ween group, while Gene was basically still not with performing with the group anymore, I think he might have been still in rehab or something, uh, saw the Dean Ween group, my brother, who I saw it with, had to point out what songs we just heard. Because in the aftermath, I was like, I don't even know what the fuck I just heard. I just know it was this epic, emotional event. And it's funny, because like, some people... It's not that way for them, you know, like, they can recall things from that act, you know, right after it, whereas some people, you know, it takes a day or two or more for some of that stuff to seep back in, and, like, the weird, like, what's weird for me is, like, if I watch a comedy special on a screen... For some reason, like, I can recall a lot of the jokes, but if I see it live, right, it's, it's like, you're getting like that, like kind of what we were talking to Tom about before we turn the mics on, you're getting that like subliminal sub communicative, like vibe, sort of, sort of like in the background. You're, I'd right. imagine you're picking like, up you're picking up a whole different set of signals with like, regard to like communication and neurons so close and, to the artist and you're just yeah. you're watching their their intricacies exactly and like totally like things that you don't either focus on or pick up on when you're watching it on a screen you know because you can look away from the screen and the delivery doesn't change really because like right. by the time by the time it makes it to a recorded special, mm. like they've they've you know pinpointed every word that they yeah. want to say. Exactly. You know they've they've gone through their material. They've they've said, okay, this joke's gonna make it. This joke isn't. You know this Dial, one dialed in. Right. And yeah. And so by the time it goes live, the the physical mannerisms, the physicality of it, you know, like. It does add to it, absolutely, but it's not necessary because they've already nailed the delivery of the joke so well. <laughs> right. Just, you know, with intonation. Isn't that amazing how, like, because I think in a way the artist gets something out of that process of sharing it, sharing it your best moment. Like, you're, you're giving your 110%, your A game when it comes to the live shows, when you're selling tickets. Because even with musics, like solo guitarists on stage, like, they're going for it. 
And it's just like, whoa, this is so intense. And I don't even know what to think or feel right now because all I can do is just be in the moment with this, this thing that's happening. But if you haven't seen, you know, any given artist, if you haven't seen them multiple times, you know, they might be blowing you away, but in their mind, in that same moment, they're phoning it in, you know, mm-hmm. to them anyway. Maybe. To you some know, degree, I, I would have to, I could see how that w- would work for them. But yeah, I mean, for the big performers that really, you can tell that like they have a passion for good art, you know, good art. Well, there's a reason why they got big. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's just that extra element of like, I'm going to do a good job because it makes me, it gives me something in return to the fullest degree. Yeah, yeah, and especially with comedy, you know, like, like comedians, they sure they like to get paid, but at the end of the day, they're there to hear us laugh, you know, to make us laugh. <laughs> yeah, dude, you know, that's the cool part. It's like when they know that you're having a good time, like you can kind of get that vibe from them that they are having a blast as well. It's like the ability to laugh at the class clown without getting the threat of a detention, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, not only are they not getting punished, they're getting rewarded for it. So, you know, they've got the incentive to just clown away. <laughs> and yeah. Sheldon and I were talking about this today <clears throat> about how, you know, comedians these days are basically, you know, the court jesters, mm. you know, like. The court jester back in the day, he had, aside from the king, he had the freest tongue in the land because not only did the king look at him to entertain both the king and his, you know, uh, who he rules upon, rules mm-hmm. over. The whatever. people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, Common. But the jester also had his ear to the ground in the sense of he was able to ridicule the king while making the king laugh and telling the king exactly what the people thought of him at the time Hmm. without being killed. (laughs) It's a delicate art, man. Right. And when you're not looking to burn bridges, talk about being on the assassination (laughs) list pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's certainly some comedians that have probably danced that line themselves. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about a few, but I think it's almost too obvious in this day and age. It's almost too obvious. And that's why I think you have like conspiracies around like controlled opposition. I think, I think nothing is obvious anymore because I mean, to us, certain things are obvious, but Mm -hmm. to most people in general, Mm. things are not obvious. Oh yeah. No, I know what you mean. No, but yeah, in that, in that light though, like that, that sense that, oh, this is so, you can, because you can feel it. Like when, when it rocks the boat enough to the point where the truth doesn't necessarily hurt, but it rings so true. Like it's on a, it's on a microfiber level. And we're, we're living in a world right now where, you know, if truth ends up getting reported, it just gets dashed over in the waves by, you know, five or ten other sensationalist bullshit stories. You know, like, uh-huh. like for example, yeah. 
know, the other day, fucking Congress had a hearing in regards to, you know, uh, UFO, UAPs. Okay. Like, unidentified flying objects slash... Mm. uh, Yeah, that, like... Aerial phenomena. Yep, okay. And, you know, they... They're talking about, oh, we have, no, we got some whistleblowers and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, is this Project Blue Beam, are they trying to, like, create a global lockdown to, you know, for for a fake alien attack? Mm-hmm. You know, are they possibly covering up real aliens? Chances are they want more power, so it's the first one. But then you find out. While every news outlet is reporting on that, what are they not reporting on? Fucking Sam Bankman Freed and the Silicon Valley Bank bullshit. You know, where basically, like, they stole billions of dollars and laundered it through the DNC and the Ukrainian war and Silicon Valley Bank. And mm-hmm. you got this, like, autistic psychopath, fucking Sam Bankman Freed. And he has no remorse for it. He basically, you know, lost billions of dollars to a lot of people just to support, you know, certain things. Federal charges have been dropped against him. Hmm. That's, you know, right. while, while everybody was thinking about aliens, nobody's thinking about those billions of dollars they just got fucked out of again. Because that's the whole point of that sleight of hand. Mm-hmm political what's going on over here yeah never mind this one yeah yeah geez there's <laughs> so much there paper money was invented so you could slip it into a pocket without mm-hmm. making a noise <laughs> that's one of the reasons for sure another one was to be able to print more receipts for gold than there was gold well yeah but i think well that's the part that's always stuck with me because you can manipulate the whole sort of flow of where commerce is going the things that we literally value and cherish you know our precious time our freedoms our ability to sort of uh, have an opportunity to do a good job and get rewarded for it the medium of which that exchange takes place has to be what we tell them is legal tender and keyword being legal you know they write the laws right and and what is the legal Tender, something you can pay your taxes in. That's all they give a shit about. Yeah. Public and private debts, as well as their taxes, has to be paid in this particular issuance. So, yeah. I've always thought of, like, places like Vermont as, like, the Ralph Nader of, of like, sort of that, like, in-between, kind of got both foot feet in, the, in both doors from the right and the left. You know, there are, like, far... It's independent on the, the far right. Yeah, and then there's that far leftist, hardcore, like progress, aggressive, progressive. You go far left, far enough left or right, you meet back in the center on the other side. You know. Yeah, not to say that there's been like absurd riots about like gender identity, but I mean, it could happen. You know, I don't know, and not to lump those, you know, particular, uh, you know, uh, legal and human right like uh, things into the aggressive progressive category. There's obviously a bunch of aggressive progressive, you know, anti-racists, racists too. So, 
yeah, it's, but it's a whole multitude. Once again, of- you, if you get anti-racist enough, you start looking at the whole world in race. Exactly. So, and that's part of this other be- disclaimer that right. I'll say. And by the way, it's not. I'm not saying that because I don't have any. I don't have something against the, the anti-racism or that I'm a racist by saying that. It's just, yeah, exactly. When you focus so heavily on one side of the boat, the boat capsizes like, and have sinks. You, have you seen... So why on earth would you do that? Right, right. Why are you, you know, why are you moving away from merit and focusing on race? Because it's actually hurting you in the long run to, right. you know, say, hey, we accept all races and then say, uh, except, you know, one. It's like, or, or a handful or whatever. Well, and then, and, but then focus so heavily. I think this is where you're going with that to that degree of, you know, no, you can't hate this because of this. And then it just gets so jumbled up and, and scrambled. And we've never had a true meritocracy. We've never actually tried it, you know, like, Mm. You know, it's what remind me what that is again exactly. Where or for anyone who's listening who wants where to know, society is based off of merit, meritocracy. Okay, I think right. said like America, America. No, no, like no. as in like American. No, no. Sorry, a meritocracy. So like mm. you know, we've we say that we tried it for a long time. You know, like we hire the best and the brightest minds that could make it through the few schools that we accept people from because they had enough money. Mm-hmm. So that's basically nepotism already. And then you start basing your nepotism off of skin color. And, you know, the racism that they're trying to fight by being anti-racist, you know, that racism, the old racism, is only one skin color. And they're trying to fight that by saying every skin color but one which is Mm. just as racist but in a different way you know it's like it's either all exactly it's either all of them like you said or it doesn't fucking matter base it off of who's the best for who's the best person for the job it doesn't matter what they have between their legs or what color their skin is right if they're the best person for the job let them do the fucking job if you really want progress but you don't Mm. You know, you want further division, cultural divide, cultural Marxism. The only difference between what's happening right now in this country and what happened in fucking Russia during the Bolshevik Revolution is that they base their revolution off of classist Marxism and we're basing ours off of cultural Marxism through an ideological subversion campaign. Cultural Marxism. Culture is not always your friend. Um, yeah, I, thank you. Thank you. Cheers to that, my friend. Terrence McKenna. Dropping Terrence McKenna down on here. I didn't even know I that. I love that. Yeah, I know. That's what he always said. Culture is the opposite of nature. Culture so. is not your friend. He said it exactly in that way. And it's also, cheers, bro. That actually brings up, like, so one of the things I'm in the process of doing also, um, just for all you listeners out there who are interested or whatever, is like I'm working on this uh, audiobook version of my piece that I published. The the book Cognitive Liberty um, is in Audible now, available on Spotify and uh, yes. iHeartRadio. And, and if you want some true sp- 
spiritual guidance on how to deal with some of this malaise and bullshit that's going on, it's a great place to start. Oh, thank you. That's that's awfully kind of you to say. I'm not going to lie and say it's not some heavy dope. It really is. Like, you, you need to allot some time for it if you want to truly absorb it for what you can. Hmm. Yeah, because the, the, the reason I bring it up is because of this, this cultural conditioning chapter, chapter two, regard, like, regards how we might be part of this thing that's taken hold upon a very, you know, like new, a whole new generation of, uh, sensory overload and, uh, uh, you know, you have more people being diagnosed with autism for all these reasons that are written in to this book, you know, the DSM. Chemicals, or whether it's chemicals or whether it's uh, sensory overloads of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, just you have all of this stuff. So what if, what if, I'm just throwing it out there, the cultural, I, the, not just the identities, but literally core values core uh everything's about who we are as a culture as a cultural species actually is how i would put it 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 rewires you to think and behave in very specific ways and 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 a good example is the monetary system itself when you get so used to using dollars us dollars for trade it does something to you like where the you're you're literally like hardwiring certain there's yeah there's a cost and cost reward you know there is a cost to doing business there always it will be right but and, like with using yeah sorry well yeah no sorry I hate to cut you off no no do you know what I mean though like purchasing power in a very specific thing like if I wanted to trade these with you these but, like these but you're being inanimate objects. You're beholden to the value that's put onto those that you have no control of at yeah. the end of the day. So right. that's that's the that's the true cost right there. The reward is, you know, the the how accessible it makes things because everybody accepts it. You know? Yeah, and th- so there is some benefit to that, but when you are forced into this one little box of how to exist your life in and how to revolve around like most people don't really not only they don't have enough but that mentality of not having enough like it it locks you into this one value metric system and it's not, why am i calling it a metric system basically it's well because it's this one metric thing. metric in the sense of this is how you're measuring not not that it's necessarily and I a, guess, a, a decimal. System. And it's almost like, I don't know, it's just, it's it's literally a scale to which you measure your your values. So when it yes. comes to actual, like, is it what? What is that? Then you start going down these breadcrumb trails and these rabbit holes of, wait a minute, what is money? Oh, wait a minute, what is, you know, what is uh, time? Huh. And, and what is... Uh, objects like where did this come from? Well, this came from, you know, somebody's it, time and energy. somebody's time and energy. It came from obviously a lot of heat. I'm literally holding up a ceramic mug, so that's I mean you can connect the dots from there. Uh, but the point is, when you start to fixate 
on the thing, the reward, in exchange for that time, I think that this this consumes us. Right. This consumes money, us and we lose money, ourselves. Money at the end of the day is a means to an end. But the problem with it, uh, how it stands, is that its value is not dictated by the consumer or the person they're paying their money to. Mm-hmm. The value of it is dictated, in this case, the American dollar, the value of it is dictated by financial flux throughout Wall Street and the FOMC and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And right. And whatever value that the, the company that we've hired to rent money from the federal reserve, not a government agency. Yes. Which is where the FOMC is the, the committee that sets the rate. They decide how much a dollar's worth. So, yeah, it's like, you know, exactly. When exactly. You, you you hear about like, oh, yeah, we're raffling off a, you know, a gift certificate for $100 to blah blah blah. It's like, okay, well, $100 right now, you know, that's that's basically like 15 years ago that would have been $300. You know, yeah. like the value of the dollar's gone down. The value of the dollar, yeah. And it has nothing to do with the trust behind it at this point. And that's that that shows you how or it has- how much of a fiat currency it is. Because the value is dictated not by the consumer or the receiver of it, but by the lender of it. And so with gold you know? Well, in, in a way, yes, you're absolutely right. In the long term, that is a hundred percent true. Although I would, I would argue that in the moment, it is faith because it did buy something yesterday. Well, yeah, but okay, sure, yes, but say last week you earned a twenty dollar bill, you stick that twenty dollar bill in your pocket, mm-hmm. you don't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Enough time passes, you still think you have a $20 bill in your pocket, mm-hmm. but in reality, it's only worth $13 now or $17 now. You know, like the amount that it can fluctuate and depreciate doing nothing means that it has no real backing. Yeah, because did you, did you know that currency and, is actually derived from the word current? Right. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I always thought that that was really interesting because yeah. it has to it has to keep a current has, has to, to keep, keep moving right. otherwise it'll die. Right. It'll just yeah. Right. I mean no current naturally stops. You know? mm. like, and the problem it, with it this is it, it, it'll goes. have to circulate to such a degree where it could it could actually indeed lose value quicker than it can be produced and that's what a technically what a hyperinflation is a hyperinflation scenario the problem right now is that we live in a world where more and more clear it's becoming that your vote doesn't really matter your vote for even if it did the the options that you're given are non-existent or you know two wings of the same bird, you know, 
or just they don't stand a chance in hell. But, um, so people are starting to figure out that their best ways to vote are with their dollars or their feet. You know, by like, they choose where their dollars, they, they become more discerning with where they spend their money mm-hmm. and they vote that way or and or they move to where they're more aligned with the political process you know regionally sure but the problem is moving costs money <laughs> all of it does so if you don't have the money yeah. Not the, only the taxes can, to have the privilege to vote. Right. Not right. <laughs> like, if you don't have the money, you're voiceless. At exactly. This point. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Now this is the biggest. Now this is where when I hear things like they're now not to go down this rabbit hole, but the fact is there are there are a there's a majority within the political realm that do not want the collapse to happen. However, however, and this is why they tried to tighten over, I think, what, 2016 or 17 through up until the pandemic, which is when they stimulated again, thus inflicting more loose policies of QE, quantitative easing, which is where they eased the polar opposite of tightening. And right before that stimulus package happened, what what happened right before that? Was the the GameStop. Biggest upward transfer of wealth to that point in human history. Which was crazy. Which has yeah. been outdone since then. I know, dude. It's That's where you know it's going exponential at that point. Like, the writing is on the wall. And, you know, you're... Anyhow, to tie it back to <laughs> my little situation, my predicament, when you asked about my day today, all I could see... All I could see most... my Maybe my... Like, my... The, the version of myself from like a few years ago would have saw that crisis and immediately went to like panic mode dollar value of a cost. But now I look at it and dude, I could not, um, I could not believe that this was happening because I have so much other shit to do that. All I could think about was how this was going to set me back in terms of my progress in time. Well, that means your priorities are more aligned right now. You know, like you're you're looking at things in the sense of time, which is a resource that, you know, your time to you is something that only you can put a measure on. Nobody else can put a measure on your time. Exactly. And, and this is the thing about the FOMC manipulating the price of dollars in circulation by adjusting interest, interest rates. And they think that they can control market psychology and thus the money the velocity of money which is where currency changes hands and there go you have things like gross domestic product data and all kinds of stimulation in the economy because that is the value of an economy is how good is it at being circulating right yeah unfortunately ours is too good to where you know, you can circulate billions only of dollars in, yeah, only in certain multiple only hands in, and get away with it, <laughs> you know, and get away with it. Yeah, because only in certain contexts, that's true. Yes, absolutely. Well, there are in, others. The, in the sense of Sam Bankman Freed, it's Sorry. it's not a good thing. You know, the, the, the way, uh, you know, it's 
this country's been hiding money way too long, taxpayer money way too long, doing dastardly things with it, lining their own pockets, creating black wars in, you know, little brown countries that don't deserve anything but a helping hand. And, you know, if there's a reason why we, as the greatest military force in history, supposedly, we don't go to every country that needs our help, even though the way that we budget things militarily, we could absolutely afford it, and it would actually probably be cheaper, at least initially. The problem is the profits. They're, we only go to the countries that have people that supposedly need our help in humanitarian you know, ways if they have certain resources or or regional sway in geopolitics. Now we we didn't we didn't go to Afghanistan because we wanted to, you know, find bin Laden and you know we we went there because we wanted access and control of the poppy fields and the Taliban was all over the poppy fields trying to eradicate them. And so, naturally, we had to go there and stop it so that we could control the flow of opium into this country. Yeah, because wasn't there a giant, like, surge of in imports of, of, of heroin? Like, the, it's, the opiate epidemic uh, got even worse? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you, had, you had the Oxycontin, you know, epidemic, and now you got the fentanyl epidemic. And... Fentanyl synthesized, but still needs a precursor. So, mm. yeah, like basically, I'm I'm not trying to sound like a a repeat of Sam Tripoli, but like you know the the parasites at the top they have a very limited playbook. And they just rewrite each play a little bit every time. Same thing that happened in Afghanistan with us happened in Vietnam. All the caskets, not all the caskets, obviously, but a lot of the caskets that were being shipped back with our troops in them, dead troops, mm -hmm. were packed full of heroin. Mm. And that's that's where, you know, the initial heroin epidemic started was post-Vietnam. Yeah. Like the movie American Gangster is all about it, and it's, I, I know I thought that sounded familiar. It's worse than how that movie <laughs> makes it portrayed. I'm sure you know because yeah, in a lot of jeez, they weren't just packing the the caskets full of heroin. They were cutting these soldiers open, stuffing their body cavities full of it. So fucked up. Yeah, and then you fast forward Afghanistan, basically the same thing except we don't have to. You know, we don't have to transfer it that way because, you know, we can do it in a hundred different logistical ways. Yeah. But, and then you look at what we went through in Vietnam, 
how we fucked up, how we got into a giant, you know, guerrilla warfare conflict with basically a, a proxy war with China through Vietnam. And uh, so fast forward to 1980s, we start funding the Taliban in Afghanistan because we want to give Russia their own Vietnam. And then 20 years later, we go back there to defeat the same people that we funded just so that we can get their opium. And then now you fast forward, we're doing another proxy war with Russia, except this time it's actually in Eastern Europe on their borders. Sorry. Uh, you're fine. Sorry, I I thought I just shut that fucking thing off. Well, here, I want you to be able to finish your thought, but I have this prepared because it's oh, yeah. semi no, I, was, I was basically done. Okay, sorry, yeah. Uh, here, I'm just going to send this because I, I think it's hilarious. It's from a movie that I saw recently. He tried taking water from toilets. But it's Secretary Not Sure who finds himself in the toilet now. And as history pulls down its pants and prepares to lower its ass on Not Sure's head, it will be Daddy Justice who will be crapping on him this time. We now go live to Violence Channel correspondent for Micah Davis at the Extreme Court with highlights on today's trial. <laughs> Dude, so good. <laughs> oh, man. Talk about like not being able to repeat that back at the moment because it's so just fucking loaded with all that richness. But it, when you were talking, it kind of reminded me of a scenario where there are people who are just so blind to the larger picture of well, how things like operate to the point where they can't even simply grow their own food. And they make fun of anybody who suggests any kind of reason or whatever. Whether it's through cognitive dissonance or they, they're just afraid to, you know, question things slash look at the facts. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, if, if, if you're just going to go down partisan lines and accept something blindly, then there's going to come a certain point in time when you get left behind because, you know... You didn't see the fucking that was coming down the pipeline. Yeah. And so I think it's all about just like staying attuned enough to basically know how to read the writing on the wall. Well, it's also the writing on the wall isn't always in English. So it's it's kind of like having yeah. to learn another language in that sense. Yeah, it's a good way to put it because you really do have to kind of develop an instinct. You need to learn, yeah. Like bullshit detectors and, you know, remove the blinders. First, remove the blinders. Reading between all. the lines, whatever, you know, whatever metaphor you want to say. But it's, you. There's there's a hundred different things to call it, but there's no good way to teach it. Oh. You yeah, know? you can't really, you can't really, well, you can teach it to, to a degree, but then you're right. Most, for the most part, it's, 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 it's hard to actually, to actually instill that way of thinking to another person. 
unless they really, really want to, they're prepared to actually really for not forget what they know that's wrong, but like, um, at least consider the fact that it could be wrong. Right. You know, like people's ability to question, you know, what's going on around them. They're authority figures that are hand feed, spoon feeding them. You know, the most patri- Ben Franklin, the most patriotic thing you can do for your country is question your government. Mm. You know, and like we're living in a time right now where nobody's questioning what's actually happening, the policies that are being passed, the things that are being enacted. All that they're concerned with is, well, if 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 my favorite people aren't doing it, then I'm a- against it. But mm-hmm. if if my favorite people are doing it, then I guess I'm for it. It's like the Democratic Party. Right. Back in, back in, you know, post 9-11, the Democratic Party was the anti-war party. But it was because they kind of saw, saw through some bullshit. They've been co-opted so quickly since then mm-hmm. that we don't really have an anti-war party anymore. No, we don't. You have to look at independent candidates for an anti-war and this is, this is where it comes back to monetary policy because one of the biggest yeah. one of the biggest reasons why we have war in the first place is because of profit. Well, yeah, a significant profit. Wars not to figure out things and make things better. Yeah, you know. Now that I mean that opens up a whole can of worms, but I did want to back up and and just qualify that a little bit in that I think that there's a very select few that are aware of it and doing something about it. You have to really locate what that is though there's this conference i was actually thinking about attending it happens every year and it's the red pill conference (laughs) and it's fucking amazing dude like this this, oh shit um excuse me the uh who's it put on it's it's put on by uh it's not put on by this person but it's he's a component of its its inception and um he's a big part of it is one uh, of the contributors yeah, and he always gives like a per. He's usually either a keynote or he's doing some kind of workshop at this conference um, and talking about similar subjects or at least facilitating them. And it's um, uh, Edward G. Griffith. That name sounds or Griff- really Griffin or Griffith. Excuse me. That name sounds super familiar. And just to- it's, the, it's the author of uh, the creature from Jekyll Island. Oh my God! Yes. Fuck yes, dude. Edward when is it? Let's go. G. Griffith. Griffith. Yeah, no. Let's there, go. Oh, Gri- wait, Griffin? 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 Griffith? Yeah. See, the shit. I'm so sorry. I'm confusing everyone out there. It's Griffin. It's Griffin. It's got it. Creature be. from Jekyll Island, people. If you don't know what that is. Excuse me. Should I start that over? <laughs> dude, when <laughs> yeah, is it? Edward Let's G. Go. Griffin. Yes, thank you. Um, I'll have to find out. Red Pill, Red Pill Expo, I believe. Or... Yeah, it's either exposition or it's a conference. But anyway, I'm sure the internet has the specific Uh, language. Absolutely. Yeah, get a ticket. We'll fly out there, man. Like, that would be amazing. Can you imagine, like, actually being on air over there? Where is it? With that? Um, Where is it? It's either out in California or it's somewhere down south. I don't know. I'll go south. I'm not going to the fucking 
Yeah. Uh, fucking California. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm kind of holding off on state. going there. I've never gone there before. Done with that. You've been there. No. No, but, like, it's... I was going to say, I was going to ask you where you've been. I've always been curious. It's almost a different country at this point, California. Mm. It's, yeah. it's It's financially stable enough to be its own country. It's like the fifth largest economy in the world. I always thought its GDP wasn't so great though on the numbers, on the chart though. It's like, like the Texas l- is like the highest. It's always at the top kind of thing. But Yes, but because Texas doesn't have Texas doesn't have the taxes that California has. So which is probably why their GDP is so good. Well, it's Because it inspires a lot of inspiration for producing. But Yes. No. Yeah. I mean, California. I I can't say shit about California. Honestly, I've never been, and no, I am I'm curious. Sh- about it, okay. But. Okay. Let me let me let me caveat this. When I say I don't want to go, it's not because of geography. Geographically, it seems like a beautiful, wonderful place, and that's why all the assholes in the world live there. You know, but. Yeah, like society-wise, it's it's a crumbling state of assholes. No offense to any of our listeners in California. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? They might agree with you. I don't know. Well, I mean, I've never been. I, I again, I've never been there. I think that there's a yeah, there's a certain I don't know, like sort of anal pretentiousness that goes on that I get the sense that we get a lot of that here in Vermont too though there is quite a bit of that I guess it's a little bit of everywhere you know but it's Uh, like uh, there's quite a bit of like well yeah not everywhere but certainly in maybe not Montana or maybe I don't know maybe Montana there's (laughs) that's the thing is like every every state has been pushed into one category or another and a lot of them have gone radically towards that side, you know, and California is one of those states that's gone radically left. Like, and yeah, geographically it's beautiful. Gavin Newsom can suck start a shotgun for all I care, but Ah, uh, Louisiana. Sorry. I, like, spaced out there for a minute, trying to figure out. So, it's the Red Bill Expo. It's in Louisiana? Let's Louisiana. go. Now, Let's go. I, yeah, but I, I the last search I had was, like, 2023, and nothing came up. So, it, the last thing that's on there is 21, so I hope they're still doing it. So, here's here's another disclaimer for our listeners is... I hope it's, I hope it's this year. If you red pill yourself enough... And red pill and blue pill, it doesn't mean Republican and Democrat, left and right. No, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. If you've ever seen The Matrix, it's you take the red pill if you want to wake up. You take the blue pill if you want to stay asleep. And that's the metaphor. But yeah, that metaphor is also grown to where you get black pill and white pill. So black pill is... When you you swallow that pill and you think, okay, everything's fucked, just give up, nothing matters, no hope. White pill is, doesn't matter which side, blue or red pill, 
you you know you have everlasting hope like if you get far enough into the red pill it is hard to not black pill yourself I will tell you that I was at the beach last week and I actually had to actively detach from like a certain thought process just to like allow myself to enjoy it like you know looking around and seeing like tens of thousands of people and like well none of this is sustainable the way that we're doing it right now but you know how many people are aware of it like you know like how many people are aware of this or that you know just like rolling through my brain you Mm. know like couldn't shut it off for a minute and just like finally i was like no no like i can't let myself do this as much as as much as i want to concern myself with these things and as much as i hope i'm wrong about a lot of them it's like sometimes you can't turn it off and that's dangerous like you don't if you if if you don't have the right mental preparation and the right outlook if you get to that point where you can't shut it off that's dangerous too you know because that is where you will get blackpilled that is where you'll give in and cuz yeah it's all about being able to check in with with yourself with your sort of heart's wisdom and know whether or not something's right for you in the first place. And if it's not, or at least asking yourself if, like, why is this getting to me so much? If it is like, like a situation of frustration or anger or whatever. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but I think, gosh, like my hat's off to you, sir, because that's kind of the whole name of the game to know the balance between like, Allowing it to kind of like take a rest versus like staying consumed by it because that's not the point either. Having to forcefully put it. It's amazing how that is like, I love that movie, Life of Brian. Uh, Dude, I love uh, it. It's like, that's a perfect metaphor for Life of Brian. This, I I got sick recently and my best medicine has always been comedy. Fuck yeah. So I binged Monty Python for like the last, (laughs) like, midweek like it's just been a weird week dude like weird week like the universe opened up in this whole other capacity and and waking up today to have that fucking leak here i'll explain as i pull this up it's probably gonna be advertisements on this guy oh there's not advertisements that's interesting they can really make you mad other things just make you swear and curse when you're chewing on last gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. Uh, so good. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. 
When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life For life is quite absurd And death's the final word You must always face the curtain with a bow Forget about your scene Give the audience a grin Enjoy it, it's your last chance anyhow So always look on the bright side of death <laughs> Just before you draw your terminal breath Life's a piece of shit when you look at it Life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true You'll see it's all a show, keep on laughing as you go Just remember that the last laugh is on you Those guys were like collaboratively, they were like the Bruce Lee of sketch comedy. You know, they were decades <laughs> decades ahead of themselves. So. Dude, yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, their work. I love it. It's brilliant. They're just going for it, left and right. They don't even care, man. I so I binged this shit and ended up watching Life of Brian last, and I started with Meaning of Life. Yeah, because uh, I had it on DVD, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" There's a bunch on Netflix. That's awesome because I don't have all the DVDs of it. I think they have Flying Circus on Netflix too. They do. Yeah, Pretty sure. No, they have a decent amount on Netflix. They don't have everything though. They don't have everything that I was in the mood to watch like in that moment. It had been a while. Like I hadn't seen Monty Python in a long time, and I realized that the guy, so the main guy who led in that that little jingle musical there, Eric Idle. Y- yeah. Yeah, yeah thank the you. singer. He's great. Oh, he's fantastic. Dude, yeah, there was something that stood out to me about him because I realized I recognized him from the movie Casper, which I grew up with, and noticed that he plays this tiny little role. He was in Casper. Yeah, dude, super small. The live action version. Yeah, and so he he's the one who comes in with the chick who's like gung-ho ready to blast somebody for whatever she wants obviously it's money or whatever and damn i don't remember and he well he was her like accomplice or whatever her lawyer whatever and he played the weirdest like pussy i mean and so they come into this house this giant house that's like lights are off like he he basically played sir robin from from holy grail the Cowardly Sir Robin. Yeah. That was another one I watched, by the way, yeah. It was life it was Meaning of Life and and Holy Grail, and then I ended with Life of Brian. Uh 
but yeah, so he, well, he came in and he's like, I must warn you that I am armed. Like when he hears something, the ghost in the house and he picks up a cell phone, he picks up a cell phone, which like back back then then, cell phones were, I mean, kind of like a rare thing. Giant. And, and big. yeah. Yeah. And so he pulls out this big phone and then it rings out of nowhere and he's like, hello. (laughs) <laughs> and then like no one's on the other line so clearly he like hit a button or the ghost was calling him <laughs> or yeah whatever but it was the most random little like bit that he just added and it's like you can kind of still get a whiff of Monty Python even in that scene I but mean, then like were- she says something and like she's like cut the crap and then it like basically that was it for Monty Python was so good back in the day like it was even old school SNL, yeah, dude, wasn't as good as not Monty quite. Any, yeah, dude, you said he's a singer. I didn't know that. They're all like trained theater artists, you yeah, know. You can like, tell for sure. Um, yeah, I mean they. He's definitely, I'd say, out of all the Monty Python guys, he's he's the one that's probably go to if it's like a song and dance number. Um. Michael Palin, I think he sang a few times. John Cleese, I don't remember him singing that much. But, uh, yeah, like Monty Python, like, it was a powerhouse because, you know, they had their, their comedy troupe, which was led by Graham Chapman, who, you know, he plays, he plays the king in, in, uh, Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> he was he actually had a PhD. He's brilliant. He had a PhD. He was an actual doctor. He was he was an actual physician. Really? And because of that, he used to write all of them like just massive prescriptions for, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. <laughs> really? Yeah. Holy shit. And uh so they were all fucking drugged out for a while and especially him. But uh Whoa, dude. Yeah. Uh, at least something about pharmaceuticals or drugs in general and like, offered some kind of like incredible, like sensational, like career. He was performing. also a, he was also a slightly closeted homosexual at the time, hmm. and back then that was okay. you know like he you know he was open with you know like his friends is you know the Python guys they knew, but you know like. He hid it from a lot of his. No kidding. And that, you know, created a lot of torment for him. So. Back then, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, that, and he died really early. Really? Yeah. Oh, fuck, dude. I was wondering, because, like, yeah, he's, look, he, like, look up isn't. One, look up what Graham. Like a recent. Graham Chapman. No, he. I think most of them are alive, except for him. Dude, I, holy as shit. As far as he I got know. got ridiculed for the. Well, not necessarily ridiculed, but you know, like back in back in the late sixties, early seventies, like the 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 gay scene wasn't as accepted as it is, you know, as we think of it now. And yeah, like especially, you know, you you're raised in England, you grow up, you know, Presbyterian or, you know, Catholic or you know, whatever, chances are you're, you come from a, a staunch, religious, mostly probably Christian family. Mm. Tonsil cancer 
in 89, the year I was born. Tonsil cancer. Tonsil cancer. Can't you just remove those? Which it says had spread to his spine. Now, this is the weird thing, man. What the Mm. fuck? Hmm. Just like, I, just like Bob Marley supposedly died of dude, cancer. Dude, I fucking, like, I've always had issues with my tonsils. Maybe it's a sign. How do you know? What if Chapman died and put, was reincarnated into me? <laughs> well, it'd be weird if he <laughs> Wouldn't died. Wouldn't that be weird? It'd be weird if he died of the same thing twice. Well, if I died of that. But how do you know you got tonsil problems? No, well, I've always had issues with throat stuff. Throat, ear... Always. Have you ever had tonsillitis? I've had strep more times than I can count. And same with ear infections when I was younger. Me too. But the... Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was sick watching Monty Python. That's a weird fucking coincidence. I don't know that tonsils and ears are... I know that's like, you know, hip bones connected to the... Leg bone and leg bones <laughs> like that old to the song. knee bone style, but right. No, yeah, I've always been, but like every single steps. most of the symptoms that I've experienced has guided me towards the ENT practitioners, like uh, ears, nose, throat doctors, basically. I mean, there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of problems with. You know, people's health that stem straight from ears, nose, and throat, no doubt. Yeah, but tonsil cancer, that's pretty intense, man. And I've been having these, like, weird, like, lumps in my mouth, but they've been going away, like canker sores. Everybody but not has canker those. Sores. Everybody has I know. Those. I'm just paranoid. <laughs> well, better to be paranoid than wrong than well, not paranoid. I went in for a hearing test, to, like, while I was a little bit, like, I was feeling better. This is why I thought it was allergies. I mowed the lawn on a, on a Sunday after stonework. Uh, got not feeling great on uh, that very Sunday evening at like 7. Woke up the next day. Felt like, oh shit, my throat hurts. Like, clearly I have some kind of allergic thing going on. So I just took antihistamine and anti-inflammatory, like suppressants and blah, blah, blah. Just tried to stay healthy. Didn't go away had a hearing test, started to feel better by the afternoon of the hearing test, felt better. Uh, and in the hearing test, they give you these plugs to put in that you hear for that, like, is the source of their sound. It's like these fucking intense, like, infrared headphones or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And they put it in your ear, and it's like a suction cup, like a plunger, right in there. And you go through the test, and then by the time they pull it out, it's like literally a plunger. It's like, like you can literally feel the pressure like shift. Or I can. Like that was intense. And when she did that, it almost felt like my ears were draining. It was like, it felt like there was liquid. Like literally just pour oozing out like a fucking volcano. Well, there kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it felt like. This warm, like soothing stuff. But it was like, oh God, that was actually kind of painful. Uh, and weird. It always makes me feel like inside out or whatever when that shit happens. Pull my, I don't like pulling my head inside out. I don't like putting shit in my ears, even Q-tips. Like I'm like, fuck, this shit kind of sucks. Well, Q-tips are like one of the worst things that you can put in your ears because yeah. it just pushes shit further into your ears. It just pushes shit further into your ears. Exactly. I know. Yeah, I need to get one of those. Like, what are those things? Like, they always come up on my Instagram the wax for like candles. feeds. 
actually, I've heard to steer clear of those. Oh, but really? If it works for some people, then go for it. I don't know. I've never used it. I've never had a good feeling about them. But I've heard they work. Because, <sighs> like, the smoke draws the wax out. The heat does, yeah. The heat. Yeah. And it just drains. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> it's fucking I've nasty. Ne- I've never done it myself, but I've heard, I've heard, you know, good testimony. Yeah, I, I have too. I've never done it myself, but I'm not really willing to for whatever reason. I'm not willing to because I shoot too much. So, like, whatever extra earwax I have in my ears definitely helps the me better for the most not part, yeah. hear things. That makes sense. Um, yeah, because it could be. That's the thing. Like, you're messing with Mother Nature. Like, your body will it's tell you do what. Yeah, your body is designed to do a specific thing, a specific job. And a whole culmination of jobs that coexist in this fucking whole like cornucopia of an ecosystem on a microcos microscopic level. But the problem with biology and the reason why we have to question it is because we're being exposed to things that we've as a species never been exposed to. So like right. we don't necessarily know what, what the long term effects are things of have. Time. Yeah. So absolutely it's like you know, if, if if you're exposed to something and your body can't expel it mm-hmm. as fast as it needs to because, you know, of its chemical makeup or whatever, then, yeah, like, these are also problems. Right. Like, this is, this is the world we live in, though. You know, like... Dude. We live, we live in the world between physical and material, between spiritual and between artificial you know, yeah it's it is it is pretty wild man how all that shit blends because even with when i took the hearing test it was like whoa like i'm hearing sounds like i never really when i'm trying to hear them i actually do quite well with the hearing test and i've taken them my whole life it was actually one of the oh, avenues yeah, they, that they, they used to make us do it in school yeah and they they diagnosed me with a learning disability after a while of doing that and even some of the questions that were asked in the pre and post like process of the of the thing uh was were it dyslexia like, it well no sorry it was more sen- no no you're fine sensitivity more or less and so like questions like are you sensitive to heart high level sounds, high pitch sounds? Yeah, or everybody is to some degree. <laughs> you know, I I agree. Yeah, to some degree. I think with others, it's like one of those pet peeves that it just hits a nerve. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's one of those things, but it's multitude of others. So, like the whole comprehensive notion and all this came from other avenues. Part of it was so the one test, part of the test I did terrible in just recently last week. Like when I realized, like, oh shit, I'm actually sick, sick. Um, was the test where they have a bunch of people just like fucking rambling in the background? It's a bunch of like, and you're trying to pick up on one, and you're trying to pick on on one thing, yeah, yeah, one thing. But it gets louder as you go. Like it has these stages, yeah. and it gets progressively di- more difficult. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, okay, where's your baseline, or where's your you have your baseline, but where's your threshold? of how good you are with picking out what's being said. And it's like, whoa, I am a terrible at that. Well, and the sad part is like that test itself is kind of faulty in its criteria because in an ideal it, world, do you think it's like dated? Uh, I don't know. But like, do you think we could go a step in an beyond I- that? In an ideal world, if you could hear well, 
and yeah, like, you know, you know, outside or white noise or, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, when, when you're trying to listen to one thing and it's being flooded by, you know, multiple other sound sources, then, you know, everybody has a problem with that to a degree, but we're also the one species probably that can not only not only do it at all but with enough focus and concentration you can listen to multiple conversations at the same time mm. you know and mm-hmm. yes your you know your ability to take in that sound in a clear way you know that's a physiological thing the rest of it is you know kind of a mental and attention thing yeah, exactly but still like we well, don't. that's that's assuring. Yeah, well, we don't have like nearly the the gadgets or the technology to address a true comprehensive issue just yeah. by listening to the physio just by listening to the physiology or assessing the physiology alone. I agree. Yeah, no, um, it's 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 and it's but it's also assure, it's assuring because one of the things that came up half accurate. Thank you. One of the things that came up during the fucking uh, test was like, oh, you should definitely follow up with. It was like one thing after another. Oh, you should follow up with the, the ENT about that. You should follow up with the ears, nose, throat people. So it was like, okay, like all these signals are pointing to this ENT. Now, meanwhile, okay, this is a pure coincidence slash fucked up. So I'm feeling better day goes on i finish my hearing test i pig out on some fucking junk food to like pack myself on the back for like passing their little test or whatever <laughs> like and so then fucking a like i went to bed and it was a late bed because i i time to go to bed because i basically uh thought like oh shit i'm gonna see how i feel in the you know midway through Right, because I was like already starting to like uh, flare up a little bit the throat. Go to bed. Maybe an hour later, it was like twelve thirty. No, excuse me, it was like eleven thirty. Jocelyn like shouts from the corner of my dream. I heard her in my dream, mm-hmm. and then it was one of those wake up scenarios where like, oh no, that's real life. She's shouting at me from across the hall, and she's like, "We need to go to the hospital." Chris, get up. We need to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking like, what? <laughs> like, okay, get my boots on. Like, get this shit under wraps. And like, it was like, I've rehearsed the bug out scenario so many times in my head to the point where it's like, I'm like in the mode of either I'm balancing, trying to balance between emergency scenario. <laughs> like we're under attack style with like okay stay composed like you've seen how this goes when you lose your head do in not the process panic. of yeah exactly don't panic like what is happening yeah and she's standing over the sink in the upstairs sink and like bleeding profusely which uh she's had these nosebleeds and we already had a scare where like okay we need to go to the hospital because this lasted longer than whatever time it tells you on google to go to the hospital at that point. I already knew, like, weeks ago when this started, I was like, man, you should really get checked out, like, by a doctor or talk to somebody. And, like, or we just go to the ER when you're having these episodes. 
And so we go to the hospital. She has this like whole, like, I'm glad that she finally got some consultation about what the fuck is going on. And she got semi-assured that this is okay. Like, as long as you stop the bleeding with the nosebleed, like, you're good. But they can't do anything, apparently. Like, they can't They can do, help like, it clot. That's about it. But they, like, she was like, I'm gonna fucking get them to, like, sear the nerve shut. Like, kind of thing. Like, with that thing, she was, like, straight up using that kind It has a specific name. It starts with a C, I think. Something. She was using that tone... And he was like, whoa, okay, this is fucking serious. Like, shit. Like, she's not usually one to, like, ask for help. That's why I have to, like, be, like, the one to encourage it most of the time. Yeah, she would barely even call, like, the on-call people when we were... We stopped from going to the hospital. This was a couple weeks ago. I was dealing with stuff with the fence when the bear thing happened. And she hollers to me, like, hey, we need to go to the hospital. Or, like, you should take me. And it was after I suggested it. So I was like, okay, I'm more than happy to. Like, but let me grab my shit and grab all this stuff. And it was, she was like, no, we have to go right now. Damn it. Because when she gets to the point where she can taste the blood go down her throat, and then she spits out a loogie of blood, a whole clot of nasty blood. Right, she spit out the clot. Yeah, yeah. Where, she, where she's like, yep, no, we gotta go now. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, we do. And I have my own fucking whirlwind or tornado of shit because I'm in the middle of something. So I it's like I remember that from back in the day when I was a kid. I getting nosebleeds and like like thinking you're pulling back a loogie by going oh, like it's a fucking plot. Yes. Like, yeah. Totally. It's that gag reflex and you get yeah. that nice like bo- water balloon of iron. Oh yeah. Fuck. You sp- you spit it out, and it's like three times bigger than any loogie you've ever seen. Oh, dude! Like, oh, grossing me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, she, so this happened again at the middle in the middle of the night on a Tuesday, and again, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm out of the woods on this thing. Because meanwhile, I'm like, the selfish me is like, okay, starting to feel good, get a good night's rest. I actually got to sleep, which is huge, because I was stressed. I was feeling terrible. I was like, fuck, I can't go to work tomorrow. Like. I want to be able to catch up, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we go in the middle of the night. She gets what she needs. Thankfully, it did stop bleeding on our way to the hospital, which is a good sign. We still, She still wanted to get checked out. And I was like, sweet, awesome. We're actually getting this checked out. When we drove all the way here, I had taken actually a Benadryl and had some NyQuil. So I was like, fuck, like you definitely can't drive. I have to be the one to drive you. And I was like, her car, and I'm like, fuck, nay, this sucks. Like, it's like midnight on the roads. I hate that. I'm not used to that. I'm not used to night driving to begin with, but like waking up in a Benadryl, like coma, (laughs) like, fuck, it sucks. So I, I did have to like, for real, like get myself together, wake the fuck up. And it was just a disaster. No, it wasn't. We got there safely okay um and obviously made the responsible choice in the moment um waiting calling a cab calling an ambulance we don't need that kind of cost like being billed to us and slash fucking it was just we we got through it you know it was we we got there got to the hospital she was seen very quickly and i was like yes (laughs) because every time i've gone to the er whether it's odd hours or peak hours or whatever the fuck, it's always been a long wait. 
always, because most likely they have to page somebody to get there. But it was okay. It was smooth. She got what she needed, for the most part, and was repeatedly assured that, that like everything's going to be okay. And it was nice for her to hear that, because she gets sick and tired of hearing that shit from me. She yeah. heard it from someone else. You know, someone, yeah. someone else who has seen this before. Someone accredited. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Someone accredited. And anyway, like, so then the next day, so I had like four hours of sleep because I got home. I tried to get back to sleep, woke up, felt so much worse. It was like, okay, I got to get a scrub test or something. And anyway, fast forward, still on the throat. That thing, lack right? of sleep didn't let you heal. Exactly. I was on the fast track to healing. But again, I would have been on the fast track to still thinking that this was allergies and it would have been lingering because by the time I made an appointment to go see my doctor, she had diagnosed me when I got there. Uh, she was fucking hot as hell, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like, I remember that about her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I hate the fact that she had to look doctor. I hate the fact that she had to look into my ears and see the nasty infection that was festering right there. So, because that's what she diagnosed me with was an ear infection. So I've been on antibiotics since that afternoon. And well, chances are, unless she has an ear fetish, you didn't blow your shot with her. <laughs> that's funny. I'm a married man. True that. I don't know if I can even fathom that really i i don't because it's depressing nor should you <laughs> nor should i Who, uh, clearly she's taken to a fucking doctor with that body are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> there's no way she's not taken where is this doctor <laughs> where is the doctor she sounds intense <laughs> uh, damn it Beavis. I, I, I need to see the doctor too yeah you have an ear infection Different, different infection. Uh, anyway, that, I mean, and my problems, here I am with my problems. There's people with fucking flooded, like, shit, and I'm over here complaining about my fucking problems. Um, got me to see in fucking Monty Python the next day. That was a treat. That was a hell of a treat. I was like, damn, like, she gets sick more often. <laughs> Joking. Um, well, no, but, I mean... That that is that is the strange thing about it. If you're one of those people that you know comedy is medicine to you, then chances are, like you said, you know, when you get sick, when you're down and out, you know, when you're laid up, you know, you 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 go to the medicines that you need, but then you you also go to that too. And it, it becomes this weird association where you're like, I hate being sick, but I love getting better, you know? <laughs> That's an interesting notion. And I, yeah, dude, there's a lot there and I can appreciate it because I think it's, it is the bad times that make you appreciate the good. Uh, I'm, yeah. And lately I've had a without really. Without contrast, there's no. Exactly. Perspective. Exactly. And I've had a really hard time being in the bad and trying to like really not just think and like, like consider the good or, or really like appreciate it, but like feel it because lately it's been, a, it's been chaos. Like I've had this fucking dark cloud over my head when it comes to like keeping up with the beehives. 
like they are not like there are signals that are happening when I observe every day in front of the hive what's going on and what they need and I'm having to like I've been doing that that's been like my method to my madness and so when that's out of kilter or whatever I get all like cranky and like weird and like I gotta prioritize this and like do all like these things to make up for it and like the problem is is I don't I'm not equipped always for what the demand is so I have to like shift gears entirely of what I'm focused on and really think about like what can how can I make this happen like right now or within the next 24 hours and that's always been my mentality it's not like oh I'll do that next week because if I put it off till next week I'm fucked because before you I know it 12 more things to exactly do then. yeah I can't I can't just not prioritize it so it's a balance of priorities but it's also that time management component that muscle of figuring out like okay what's the most efficient way to go about this mm. and how do i capitalize on these moments to do it and once again that goes back to the whole don't panic thing because if you panic you're not going to be thinking rationally you're not going to figure out the best most efficient ways to do things or anywhere near them yeah. you know you're you're going to be irrational and you're going to be you know skirting around with your hair on fire yeah dude for sure. And I, I am the worst at that. At just like burning myself out, psyching myself out. No, that's everybody. Everybody's their own worst enemy. You know, nobody yeah. fucks you like you. Yeah, that's me. QT. Yes, everybody. I'm still beating myself up on the things I didn't get done, didn't get accomplished, but woke up, asked for help when I needed it. Thank God I have a brother that really has enough like courage in his heart to like just face the storm and like be like oh i've seen this before like let me like yes i can come help you let me get some coffee and do my more routine and i'm i'm, I'm headed I'll over right there yeah and it was like whoa that vote of confidence i saw mastery. benji on my on my way in i was, was wondering if way. he did oh, yeah we passed. he was <laughs> literally just pulling out of the driveway yeah dude yeah, because he came here and he we identified the problem. He already thought what the problem was before, and it was like totally left field from what I was thinking. So I was like, fuck yeah, finally someone here who knows what they're doing or thinking about, at least, like what the issue is. Because meanwhile, I'm trying to fucking haul stuff from like the storage to like get it away or get it to higher ground because it the fucking place obviously is filling up with water and I wasn't necessarily concerned about the water but I knew we had to take the ceiling out when this fucking like big balloon of water is about we have no idea how much water is on the other side of this thing and thankfully it wasn't a lot by the time he got here I was ready for him to like let's all right let's open it up let's not waste any time and we just got went right for it bro I'd, I'd go show you but I'm sure you've seen worse in the past couple of weeks probably oh yeah. yeah 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 dude it's a mess and that was that perspective thing like just being grateful for not only that it isn't worse because jesus christ there's a million ways and uh reasons uh and you know not even things with reasons in the moment of how bad it can actually get and so this is small pickings like compared to because we identified the problem it was a fucking pipe dude it was like it was like sieving like through like the, this misty 
fucking amounts of water that my brother thinks is fucking because of faulty grounding of the fucking electrical shit. Like, faultily grounded to the fucking rod in the going into the main. Like, the copper. So is it is it a pipe that's getting pumped into? It's a, he called it, what did he call it? Masticating pump? It's it, Well, he called it, I don't know what kind of pump, but he called it uh, I texted it to him, so I wouldn't forget. Electro, electro, electrolysis. Electrolysis. It's where he's seen this before, where you have things grounded to copper, there can be electrical conduct, and that conductivity is what causes stress on certain areas of the pipe, the metal, and it can over time corrode the, the pipe. Okay, so it's corroding. And it's corroding the joint or the just the, the it was scene. a ra- yeah the, the area yeah, I have a, a souvenir. Con- a he gave me of sorts. yeah he gave me the souvenir. It's like this giant ball of nasty like green, and Robert. it was yeah, and it was just like you could see it from the inside, like just like it was literally. It almost yeah. it almost reminded me of like a tiny little coral reef of green, like. Right there, like when, like a when nipple. Co- of, when copper corrodes, it turns green. Exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it, it it also like in this case that was where the that little sight from the inside out. The issue is that it was happening from the inside out. We thought it might have been oh, it was this screw that was penetrating it because again, faulty hangers, not on every whatever code, not on every joist or whatever. So it like was touching the fucking screws that were too fucking big for sheetrock anyway on these tiny little it was like strapping. It wasn't even a joist that they were screwed to. And this is why they say that, you know, bad plumbing will burn your house down. Oh. Because of things like that. Yeah. And so I'm like electrical. Like dude. Most you know most house fires don't start from even the chimney guy, you know, they they start from either a plumber or an electrician being like, oh well, you know, we don't need this or we don't need that or we need we need this but we need it there, so we're gonna do this and then all of a sudden, you know, structural integrity is compromised and yeah, yeah, you got you you lose clearances and that was heat conductivity and poof. Yeah, dude, whole combination of shit. Or flood damage, but, you know. Flood damage, for sure. I mean, I'm less worried, I'm less concerned about the flood damage as I am about this fucking happening somewhere else in the fucking walls. Flood damage won't kill you in your sleep. Like, if this happens again in the fucking walls, man, like, this is, like, just draining my time and energy at this point. I'm less concerned about having to replace it that I am about, like, fuck, I gotta it, shift gears it, it's and a, it's focus almost, on this. It's almost worth being proactive on at this point, you know, because, you know, the amount of amount of problems you've had in the past few months, oh, is, for sure. you know, might be worth having Benji come over, you know, paying him for a couple <laughs> days. Repiping and, the whole fucking... Or, or at least just going through it all and seeing, like, okay, this is good, this is good, nope, this is bad. Yeah. You know, and just getting ahead of it. Exactly. And a lot of that is like, yeah, if we had access to it, fuck yeah, like perfect world, that'd be great. We would have to literally cut through most walls. Well, yeah, you got to make access in some places, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And so until you know where the actual site of concern actually is, you're just drilling holes in walls like Ricky from Trailer Park. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, except you're, you know, you're not, you're not pulling a Ray and, you know. Yeah. Jesus, Ray, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, hey, bubs, I'm, I'm just pulling all the copper piping out of my walls. <laughs> that's, that's your plumbing, Ray. If you're in the central Vermont area and you're looking for a special souvenir to take home and share with your friends and neighbors, Ambient Fermentary's got you covered. Handcrafted from our hives to your glass, Ambient Fermentary produces craft batches of honey wine from the heart. As humble participants of a greater community of life, they wanted to offer something simple and refreshing. Most people consider mead to be too sweet. And we agree. Too much of anything produces its counterpart. That's why they brought back the oldest fermented beverage in a bold way. By using the fruits of the world in moderation. In other words, dry meads are their thing. And in this expression in particular, the dry table Melomel, we used fresh cranberries and lemon juice in its primary ferment, bringing fruity and acidic notes to the party that pairs well with almost any home-cooked meal in good company. Enjoy chill. Cheers. You had a special announcement to make in regards to one of our main sponsors. Oh, fucking A, dude. Thank you so much for mentioning it. So, yeah, amidst the chaos, there has been some quite a bit of good that has been ironed out of a three-year-plus process. And that is that this mysterious humbiant fermentary, this silly thing with a weird name, uh, which is the meads and ciders uh, production is finally legitimized, licensed. All of that out of the way, I can sell directly to retailers. I thought about having a fourth class license, which is where you can sell directly to individuals, which, but it has to be on site of the manufacturing facility space type deal. I have not been granted this is just full disclosure i'm just like being honest about this is like i do not have permitting to do that kind of commerce in this area because it's a residential area nor yeah nor would you really want to nor would i want to exactly you know, you it's don't not part be creating of creating a line outside your front door. exactly yeah no fuck that and even the parking and blah 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 like that and that was a lot of the peppered like stupid questions that i got at the hearing the board meeting for the permit that I got for the local permitting that I have for home occupation. And that was one of the major concerns. And I was like, well, don't worry about that. Like, that's not at all part of what I'm, why I'm doing this or what I'm doing it for. And so the direct retailers license, or I might get a farmer's market permit or a special events permit. Like I have those options as I go, which are way easier to go through than manufacturing. So when manufacturing license went through, I had an investigator come to the house randomly and we just had a fucking awesome appointment just shooting the shit fucking talked about alternatives like I can network with local fourth class uh, manufacturers that basically like Smuggler's Notch I believe does fourth class I'm sure Fable does fourth class out in Barnard uh, Vermont and they're great they I would do I would do a partnership slash caliber uh, uh they also do calibration, Fable. Right? Um, yeah, they have a feet a, a bit of mead that they do, and I love it because they keep it simple. You know, like they don't do the crazy weird expressions that like I that, do, like the other company. I do like formulated wines. Yeah. Humbion Fermentary is formulated meads that are can't be technically called meads. They have to be. They're classified as a honey wine 
but they're a honey wine, whatever, and whatever juices. And that's because of their percentage, correct? It's because it's partly that. Yeah, it is. If it's over seven percent, it has to be regulated by TTB, right? Federal uh, labeling regulations, which is why most of the commercial meads are below seven percent. Yeah. Between you and me, and this is one of the things that came up with the investigator, was most of them actually don't. Because <laughs> you see on the thing, like, whoa, clearly they, they're labeling this wrong. Because <laughs> I've been through the fucking ringer of the process to basically get it approved, the label approved, and half of the stuff that I'm holding and drinking, good stuff, sure, I'll mention it here because I don't even remember the name of it, but the... The, the the details on the label are like, whoa, this is I don't even know if they went through like the the whole ask permission, not forgiveness or vice versa. Ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Is what yeah. they were yeah. obviously going by either out of ignorance or whatever. Who knows? You can claim whatever if you're if you want to. But not everyone knows about the threshold of alcohol percentage and what has to be passed and it's different different every state. The only reason I came across this labeling thing is because I do formulated wines. So I do all kinds of weird recipes with mine in primary. So you get like the full expression of the cherries or the grapefruit or the ginger. Mm -hmm. So you get yeah. those tannins, that extra oomph <laughs> of, of, of flavor. But in that case, I appreciate you actually shifting gears a little bit to talk, to mention that because I'm at the point where next apple season, I can go to market because I can get shit on shelves by, say, December of 2023 um, and go from there. You know, this is like this. I'm in the long, I'm in it for the long haul. It's pretty so. much it's pretty much cause for instant expansion, though. Am I mistaken there? I don't know about instant. Honestly. Hey, I mean, and when I say expansion, I don't mean like massive expansion necessarily but yeah no i mean I, i'm i wouldn't say i'm on the fast track to that but i would say that that is the goal in the future i would not say no to a scenario where i can actually put up some decent volume yeah i guess and still be able to sustain it as a full-time regimen i guess all i'm saying is like you know, let's let's say that everything that you have, you're able to put out on shelves within a month. But within a month of that, it all sells. Like, would that that would be cause for expansion right there, right? That would signal yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't really. The thing is, I don't expect it to go that quick. I kind of expect, because what I'm going to do is just develop local relationships with local uh, hub-like retailers and yeah. do just the whole, like, straight up, like, hey, here's who I am, here's what I'm, here's what I have, that would you be willing? And it's like, most of them, I have had the impression just through word of mouth that I they would more be more than happy to. So it's like all a matter of time of like seeing where this thing can go and, you and how quickly I can move it. You live in a great community for it because there's so many. Yeah, thanks. I, I know. Yeah. 
like bars and you know outlets here that totally whether it's the wine store or the fucking beer place like yeah man or you know like the beer bar beer and wine bar more, or like more of that you know. to come for sure because yeah. it's like it's it's here's where it gets really fun and i'm dude i'm super super stoked to pass it on honestly this is where it gets this is where the goods happen that's why when these little with these little setbacks whether it's me like harvesting honey and realizing i didn't fucking store some shit properly i have this huge hang up and now i have to shift gears and 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 go the other way because this thing is from literally from the ground up so there's a lot of components to this operation that's driving it and i gotta be able to adapt adapt but also stay true to you know yourself your mission your your goal and your dream totally like for anyone out there listening if you do have a dream i suggest you do what you can to focus on it and adapt to the conditions that are conducive to that dream and that's all i'll say for now i think we're i think i'm good there have your dream you realize it and then if you want it to come to fruition you gotta wake up and put it into action because otherwise it's still just a dream (laughs) speaking of which one more Monty Python plug (laughs) one more I promise one more Uh, oh oh oh, I before you do that I asked you earlier uh, what your favorite scene from uh, Holy Grail was and it's kind of like one of those <laughs> the nights nights scene with the fucking where the knights who say me we are the knights who say me that was yeah That's we are no thing. longer the knights who say me it was a we tough now one. the knights who say me quiet whenever life gets you down mrs brown and things seem hard or tough and people are stupid, obnoxious, or daft. <laughs> and you feel that you've had Death. quite enough. <laughs> Just remember that you're standing yes. on a planet that's evolving and revolving at 900 movement. miles an hour. That's orbiting at 90 miles a second So it's reckoned A sun that is the source of all our power The sun and you and me And all the stars that we can see Are moving at a million miles a day In an outer spiral arm At 40,000 miles an hour Of the galaxy we call the Milky Way Our galaxy itself contains a hundred billion stars. It's a hundred thousand light years side to side. It bulges in the middle, 16,000 light years thick, but out by us it's just 3,000 light years wide. We're 30,000 light years from galactic central point. We go round every 200 million years. And our galaxy is only one of millions of billions in this amazing and expanding universe. Yeah, this is one of those songs or performances that I kind of, it just brought me back to that 
sort of wonder and awe-induced place. And they, they fucking nailed it with this. I don't know how many writers they had. Right now we're watching universe itself keeps on expanding and expanding in all of the directions it can whiz. As fast as it can go, the speed of light you know, 12 million miles a minute and that's the fastest speed there is. So remember when you're feeling very small and insecure, how amazingly unlikely is your birth. And pray that there's intelligent life somewhere up in space, cause there's bugger all down here on Earth. <laughs> bugger all down here on Earth. <laughs> oh, the Monty Python YouTube channel. Thank you. My that. <clears throat> See, folks just should check that shit out, cause that shit's. Yeah. I mean, they, classic. Don't, they don't make it. They don't make it like that anymore. No, no. they don't. Not a whole lot of that. I challenge SNL to come up with something half that good. Yeah, I challenge a lot of those mainstreamers to actually come up with anything close close to it. Um, dude, thank you so much for for coming out, bro. This has been great. Thank you, sir. It's been too long. My pleasure. And yeah, we'll 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 get back into the groove. We've had a little bit of a. I mean, the summer. Summer fever. We hey, got. Yeah. We got. Kind of. We're in a revolution here with regard to sort of plans, marital plans, and so mm-hmm. forth. Me too. I mean, uh, summer. Summer's easy. one of those. Yeah, it's, summer's that time of year where you know you. And I remember, you know, every summer for the last twenty years, thinking this. You know, once fall hits, like. I wanted to do so much this summer and I feel like I didn't have any spare time, you know, like, like you, you make as many plans as you can and you do what you have to do. And then in the meantime, like you try and make it all work and there's never enough time for it, you know? So. Yeah, I know it can feel that way for sure. I feel it too. But what do you think? Let's shoot for Thursday. Sounds good, sir. Yeah, dude. Yep. Right on, man. Love it. Sure. Well, thank you, folks. Take care. Love you guys. 